Any shoeman, salesman, can tell you, if the shoe fits, then it's the wrong color. It's a nice way to put Murphy's Law, isn't it? If anything can go wrong, it will. And because of that, we need to know how to deal with the challenges in our lives that come our way. And some of those challenges can be extreme, can't they? Involving health, relationship, war, as our Ukrainian family understands, and and, uh, money. And some of any challenge can affect our hearts and how we deal with others and how others or how we want others to deal with us. For the Christian, we know that we need help in our lives. As the song goes, our help comes from the Lord. So God taught us the importance of prayer and forgiveness. The three points are prayer, forgive, and trust. So let's look at the first point. Within the gospel, there is record of 15 prayers of Jesus. And Luke records 11 of them in his gospel. These prayers are significant, I believe, in learning about Jesus. His disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. There is much that he taught about prayer in this example. God, you are great, and so is your dominion. That's talking about his kingdom. Help us in our daily lives. Continue to forgive our sins because, hey, we're also about forgiving other people's sins who sin against us. And help us to follow your path. There's a lot there in those few words in that prayer. And if we think about it, the prayer was answered through the life and purpose of Jesus. Even the reality of God's coming kingdom or his reign or his dominion. You remember what Jesus said when they were trying to accuse him of uh, the reason why he was casting out demons? Luke eleven twenty. But if it by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He's talking about it in the present moment. You see, Jesus is salvation. Jesus is salvation. Then you go to Stephen. I like Stephen. I wish you got to know him a little bit too. He's known for a few significant things in his life. He was a chosen deacon to assist the growing body. He was dedicated to the message of Christ, and he was interested in going to heaven. And who can forget his powerful speech? that he did there in Acts. But his prayer, have you ever looked at his prayer? It was succinct, wasn't it? It was tiny. In fact, it was just 19 words that we have recorded. 
He said his prayer with a loud voice and likely while in great pain. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Acts 7, 59. He wants permanence. He wanted permanence in the Lord's reign, in the Lord's dominion, in his kingdom. And then he said words like Christ himself said. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Acts chapter 7, verse 60. I think there's a balance that we should look for when it comes to prayer. Kind of like peanut butter and chocolate, bacon and eggs, coffee and cream. Prayer goes good with all endeavors. And it's not unhealthy. It won't make you spiritually overweight. We should pray in ministry. We should pray in our families. We should pray at, for work and at work. And we should pray in any decision that we make. Too often I wonder, do we have a proper balance of prayer in our life? Are we so busy that we forget to pray? Are we so busy that we don't ask for God's counsel or thank Him for the great moisture that we did receive? Thank you, Bill, for showing what a great example it is to pray to the one who gave it to us. As Paul said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Sounds like prayer is a good thing. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. The second point is forgive. Who thinks that forgiveness is a little harder than praying? You don't have to raise your hands. I can see it on your faces. Jesus was and is very good at forgiving people. Did you ever think of him that way? He was and is very good at forgiving people. And if you truly wanted to repent and move in God's direction, he was and is willing to forgive. Like the paralytic man in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. He and his friends did everything they could to be in Jesus' presence. And Jesus saw their faith when they cut a hole in the ceiling and let him down right before Jesus. And do you remember what he said? Man, your sins are forgiven. I love that passage. Jesus was pretty good at forgiving sins. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had come to listen to Jesus at the time he forgave the sins of the paralytic man. Do you realize that? That was the same situation there in Luke. 
This was early in Jesus' ministry, according to Luke. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Now listen to this part. Maybe it didn't click before. Maybe this is one of those parts that you go, I, didn't, I don't remember reading that. Who had come from every village in Galilee. Let me start all over again. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and specifically from Jerusalem. Every Pharisee and every teacher of the law from every village in all of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Do you think that's a small crowd? That's not a small crowd. And they came to listen to Jesus. That's why they had to cut a hole in the ceiling. They couldn't get into this, presumably, a big place. You see, Jesus was grabbing people's attention everywhere, including the Pharisees. And they wanted to hear what he had to say. Now, Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. Luke 5.20 Now, if you did something against me, I could forgive your sins. Not a problem. But can I take away your penalty before God? And if I did something against you, you could forgive my sins. But can you take away my penalty before God? So, though I can forgive your sins against me, can I forgive all your sins? This is what Jesus, early on in his ministry, was starting to declare to the people. You are right, he said to them, only God can forgive sins. So what's he trying to say to them? That's me. That's me. Even the apostles could not forgive sins. Do you realize that? and not take away the penalty of sin against God. They couldn't do that. So Jesus said, here I am. I'm going to prove it to you. Luke chapter 5, verse 24. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Verse 26, and amazement seized them all. 
And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things this day. I wonder if this wonderful event was a great example God had planned while Jesus was teaching something specific in that meeting. I don't know. But it availed himself, didn't it? And Jesus utilized it to share something. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus is very willing to forgive. What kind of disciple are you? How is your forgivometer? Is it one that spreads your hurt around, infecting others so that those others judge you because you may have offended something in someone else and didn't even know it? Oh, I got offended. I'm going to tell all this group. We're going to judge that person. But I'm not going to approach the situation and try to rectify it. Is that your forgive-o-meter? Or is it one that deals or who deals with forgiveness of sins in an appropriate manner? You see, Jesus taught on the temptation to sin, didn't he? But if you go to Luke 17, where, where uh, Christian read this morning, the specific sin he was talking about was that of lack of forgiveness. Chapter 17, verse 3 through 4. In Luke. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The ability to forgive does not make you a super Christian. That is not a superhero status. That's what every regular Christian should have the ability to do. God expects it from all his followers. And verse 10 is part of that context. Listen to what verse 10 says. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are an unworthy servants. We have only done what is our duty. Forgiving people is our duty. It does not make you a super Christian with an extra thing on your crown. It's expected. We need to be a people who have unlimited forgiveness. Do you realize that? Now, who, 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 who thinks that's as hard as me? We need to be a people who have unlimited forgiveness. We should be waiting to forgive. I'm not saying waiting to get hurt and have our feelings hurt. That's no fun. 
But we should be eager to forgive. Because we do not have the right to withhold it. Remember, though, forgiveness does not equal feelings. Forgiveness is releasing the penalty from a person's sin against you. I am not going to retaliate. I am not going to speak ill of somebody and make a big bother around the community. Forgiveness is an act of the will, not an act of the emotion. Third, trust. So if you are praying and if you are forgiving, I imagine you are probably trusting in God. Trusting in God to get you through whatever situation you come across. But if you are not praying and forgiving, what does that say about your trust in God? What does that say about your life as a disciple of Christ? I was talking with Chunk Kinkle the other day. Our conversation wonderfully led to the spiritual. And I love it if I don't, I don't mind bringing up the spiritual, but if somebody else I'm talking to suddenly leads to the spiritual, you know, you've just made my day. And he does. We were talking about trust. We have a hard time seeing clearly those difficulties that are coming our way and we're facing, don't we? It's hard to see if we can see at all. But with our future with God, we know what the end looks like. So we have insurance through Christ, don't we? But it is challenging to see directly in front of our lives. So we must remember always what? God is in charge. With God in charge, can I forgive? With God in charge, can I pray? Yeah. I can do those things. Jesus seemed to be in constant prayer. <laughs> I wonder if he was also constantly forgiving people who wronged him, who turned their life around, who trust in him. Yes, he does that. He forgave those people who truly sought forgiveness. He trusted in the Father and followed the plan of salvation. But it wasn't easy. If he's like you and I, and he was as a human being, do you think he still felt that pain a little bit? But do you think he was sincere in his forgiveness? Man, he was. He's on the cross dying. Forgive them. He feels the pain of what people are doing against him. But even in that emotion, what did he do? He's willing to forgive. 
Trust in God is not without its hard work. I have fought the good fight, Paul said. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. But not only to me, but also to those who loved his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 7, 8. And God is willing to give us the crown of righteousness. Because he forgives those who trust him. He forgives those who trust him. What did I do? What did we do here? We're seeking forgiveness. We're trusting him to forgive us. Through his son. We're trusting him. It must have been hard for these Pharisees and the teachers of the law. I'm sure many of them were from an older generation. Jesus is only 30 years old, you know. How easy is it to trust an upstart, even if he can do miracles? Police were called to help restore order at the Presbyterian Home for the Aged. The scene of a week-long revolt. Three militant octogenarians, <laughs> if I could say that right, that means they were in their 80s, were arrested after a scuffle in the North Parlor. These three were arrested, were identified as leaders of the activist group that seized control of the parlor and locked the matron in the closet. One reason given for the protest, we have a bunch of young whippersnappers running things around here and we don't trust anybody under the age of 65. Another reason given was, what is the sense of living a long time if some 50-year-old kid is going to tell us what to do? Humorous, I know. But I think that's one of the challenges people have with God. We pray to a God who just doesn't understand us. We should, why should we follow his teachings on forgiveness? He just doesn't understand. But when we forget to trust God, we forget something very important. We forget to allow God to lead us. The lesson is called prayer and forgiveness. The first point is pray. Let's look at Jesus' prayer to the Father. Second point is forgive. Jesus is willing to forgive. And we should be willing to forgive as well. It is our duty, is it not? And third, trust. If you are praying to God and forgiving others, I think, I believe, you are showing trust in God. The lesson is yours. If there's anybody here today who has any prayer requests, concerns, or otherwise, Please come.